Hello, everybody, and welcome to In-Depth, presented by the San Antonio Express News. My name is Luis Vasquez, and I'll be your host as we bring in journalists to give us an inside perspective into the stories they bring to the Express News each week. Today, I'm joined by correspondent Dudley Althaus to discuss the spike of undocumented migration in West Texas. Welcome to the show, Dudley. How are you doing today? Fine, Luis. Hi. So uh, this is this was kind of like a, a really uh, jarring piece. But could you give me a quick recap of your reporting? Sure. Uh, we had been out there. I had gone out there in late April and, and talked to people in a shelter in Okinaga, the Mexican city across from Presidio, Texas. And I didn't really report. I didn't write up that report at the time. So I went back this time um, to talk to people at the shelter, but also to talk to people on the Texas side of the border about how they see this spike. Since about the beginning of the year, right, right before Biden, President Biden took office, um, organized crime groups and smugglers had started bringing people through that section of West Texas, kind of to the east or down river from El Paso uh, and near the Big Bend National Park, uh, because they, they told people it was easier to cross there. Um, in fact, it's a very difficult terrain to, to walk through. A lot of people are walking through and they're bringing other people in by by vehicle, including the large uh, recreational vehicles out of the, out of the national park, um, and a lot of those people are getting caught. But the people that are walking through the desert is they're facing grave dangers walking through the desert. Yeah, one of the um, I mean, dozens have been found dead from heat and dehydration. You mentioned that in the article. How did you how do you start uh, reporting on something like this? Uh, how, how long did you spend down uh, in Candelaria, wasn't it? Yeah, in Candelaria, we just went down for for basically a morning in Candelaria where we first crossed the border, which was shocking to me. I've covered the border for decades uh, and I knew the Rio Grande out that in that part of uh, Texas was very dry, very shallow, but actually we crossed a dry, basically a dry uh, gully. And that was the Rio Grande. It, it disappears. The water disappears in the river in that stretch of the border before being replenished. So it would have been downstream by the Conchos river, which comes out of uh, West Mexico. Um, so we, we went down and just kind of checked out the border in that area. And we were talking to people we could talk to, um, about the immigration through the area. There's been a tremendous surge uh, this year, as I said, and uh, people that are left behind by the smuggling, the smuggler guides and the smuggling groups in the desert on the Texas side frequently walk into like ranch houses and, and yards of people looking for help. And the locals are, are pretty jarred by all that, but they're also helping the people that they encounter. Um, it's, it's a very complex story and kind of a counterintuitive as far as like people demanding the border be closed. They are demanding more security on the border, these border residents, but they're also very empathetic and sympathetic. Many of them are, uh, with, with the migrants themselves. They know the dangers of that desert. They know how risky it is to be walking through that desert and, uh, and, uh, so it, it's really a, a pretty dramatic report, actually. Did you get to talk to any of the migrants themselves? You know, we didn't because we never really came across any migrants themselves uh, on this time. I've got a lot of experience talking to migrants uh, along the U.S. border, mostly in the lower Rio Grande Valley. We did talk to migrants on the Mexican side in Okinaga who had been deported already 
and we're in the shelter in Okinaga, a very threadbare shelter, waiting for more money uh, to be sent by relatives so they could pay smugglers again or just trying to figure out how they're going to try to cross into the United States again. The, the migrants we have talked to uh, who had already been deported, hardly any of them were talking about going home. They all have still have the idea of getting to the United States and getting jobs in the United States. The um, what what is um law enforcement? What because I, I noticed you talked to some law enforcement people, and you you mentioned you talked to some of the people who live down there. There needs to be more enforcement. Is everyone kind of in agreement of that, or how, what are the two sides differently? The people who live there and the law enforcement. Do they have any? Um, do they have more common ground than not? Yeah, I, I think. People- People, yeah, people in general want more law enforcement, but they also, it's pretty much unanimous. The people I talk to, ranchers, I mean, long-term ranchers out there, fourth-generation ranchers, uh, conservative people, they, you know, I was told repeatedly, this is not the country for a wall, like Trump's wall that he keeps talking about, um, or did keep talking about, and it's talking about today as we speak. Um, they want more boots on the ground, they want more border patrol, and they want more electronic surveillance. There's already a big amount of electronic surveillance out in the Big Bend area. Um, And there's a lot of cooperation between the various law enforcement agencies, which has just kind of come together in the past months, really, they say. So the sheriff's departments are coordinating with border patrol, are coordinating with uh, Texas Department of Public Safety troopers, are coordinating with the National Guard. There's a lot of enforcement out there right now. Um, in fact, the sheriff of Brewster County, which is uh, Alpine, Texas, and, and the ranch land surrounding it, um, half jokingly, only half jokingly, told me that um, you know they're occupied territory because there's so much law enforcement out there. It, it gets rather tedious. A lot of people are pulled over by Texas Department of Public Safety troopers for you know speeding or not speeding just to, as they're checking out, trying to look for smugglers cars. There's, you know, I can't emphasize enough how much smuggling there is through there compared to past years. It's gone up something 400% year on year. On the other hand, it's the numbers that have been detained by, by the border patrol and others out there. I think 5,000, no, 25,000 through May of this year are really minimal compared to, say, the lower Rio Grande Valley from, from McAllen, the McAllen-Brownsville area, which is like almost 300,000. So um, it's jarring for locals out there, but this is really small numbers. Uh, in fact, because of the desert's dangers, I think. The difference is between the lower valley and West Texas, far West Texas, uh, is just the, these people that cross through there are being guided by smugglers and the intention is to avoid border patrol. In the lower valley between McAllen and Brownsville, at least half the people are trying to just to cross the river, also with smugglers' help, and turn themselves into border patrol in order to request asylum. And uh, so the, 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 the cat and mouse game in West Texas is probably more severe than it is in the lower valley. As a journalist, this is super inside baseball, and I just love to ask these kind of questions. But are you writing everything down? Are you using a recorder? How do you organize yourself when you're doing something this expansive and and out in the field and stuff like that? Yeah, I don't I don't use a recorder usually unless I'm talking to a top government official. Um, I, I I take notes, and 
And uh, I've never been really called on misquoting anybody or, or getting something wrong. I take notes. And, and if you look at my notebook, I have to transcribe them pretty quickly uh, to my computer. Because if you look at my notebook, my handwriting is pretty pathetic if I'm in a hurry and, and you know, the quotes are coming fast. It looks like Chinese. And, uh, um, you know, in fact, sources have told me as they see me writing my notebook, they say, what, what language is that? I said, it's English. <laughs> And if I speak to people in Spanish, I usually translate as we go. I don't write notes in Spanish, again, because my handwriting is so bad that I might know what the Spanish, I might not realize what the Spanish word is if I'm looking at the day after, you know. So I translate as I go. I always have. I've been doing this for a long time, but I've always translated as I go when I'm speaking to people in Spanish. My, yeah. I'm left-handed and I started using computers when I was like nine. Handwriting went out the window for me a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... I think it's a generational thing. Uh, they say doctors and journalists have the worst handwriting. Yeah. But um, another question is, are you writing this story as you're going along or do you wait to get somewhere else and gather everything? No, I started reporting this. Uh, I drove out to West Texas on last on Monday, a Monday afternoon. And I had a few sources that a colleague had given me. I, I've never reported out in that area before. A few sources that um, a colleague had given me. I called one of them, and he, he kind of turned me on to somebody else. And I called a lawyer out there, a well-connected lawyer. Uh, he used to be a public defender, uh, decades-long resident out there. And she uh, immediately invited us, the photographer and I, to dinner at her house in Alpine. And gave me a number of of, of good um, good sources, but I had already. So I planned on Tuesday morning. We talked to Sheriff Dotson, the sheriff of Alpine uh, Brewster County, based in Alpine. I wanted to speak with him anyhow, and so he immediately. I called him on Monday afternoon. They immediately said, "Yes, come by tomorrow morning." The sheriff's going out of town Tuesday afternoon, but on a Tuesday late morning. But come by first thing in the morning, and we did. And he was very generous with his time and, and explained the situation going on there. Then we had had, I'd already planned to go back to the uh, shelter in Okinaga. So we went to the shelter in Okinaga. What we found was there were only instead, the last time I was there in April, there were like 18 migrants, mostly men from Central America staying at the shelter. When we went back this time, a group of six or seven had just left the day before. So there were only two people there. So that couldn't really be the focus of the story. So the focus quickly changed to Sheriff Dotson and enforcement measures. They had caught the Sheriff's Department had just uh, pulled over an RV on late Monday night, about midnight, um, packed with 50 people, 50 migrants coming out of the Big Bend National Park. Wow. And, um, and that, so that quickly became the focus of the story. I shifted gears. And we shifted gears. And then we stayed after Ohinaga. We interviewed in Ohinaga, did reporting in Ohinaga, the photos, and just did nice photos. Um, then we came back and we stayed at a hot springs called Chinati Hot Springs Tuesday night. Mm -hmm. um, those people, they get a lot of migrants, stranded migrants coming through there over the months um, and looking for help, right? So the manager of the hot springs was a good interview. And the next morning we got up at dawn and went out and just took some fantastic landscape pictures at dawn with the sunrise. And then we went down to Candelaria, which is about, I don't know, 
25 miles from the hot springs through the desert, small, you know, dirt roads and found that fascinating. And then we just kind of did more reporting, but uh, it just kind of goes, I didn't, I didn't write anything until um, I took down a few notes on Tuesday night and, you know, put in my computer, but I didn't write, start writing this story until Thursday evening and, um, and then finish it on Friday morning. You, uh, you mentioned, uh, the incredible Jess Phelps. Uh, I always say this, like uh, in journalism, collaboration can take like many forms in, uh, in this particular case, you were with, with, uh, with Jess pretty much the whole trip. Oh yeah. We traveled together. We were... And what, what is collaborating with, 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 uh, with Jess like? Oh, she's, she's excellent. She knows what she's doing. Uh, very good photographer, very aware. This was her first time. She's pretty new. She's been in Texas six months, so she's pretty new, and she's pretty new to the border. This is her third trip to the border. She's never been in the western in Western Texas. She's never been um, in the Western United States. And as we were shooting, uh, you know, I accompanied her up to watch the sunset on the night we were at the Hot Springs. We had to go walk for about twenty minutes up to another ridge to get a better view of the sunset. And she said she had never really um, done landscape photography before. And I think you see the results of that. She's excellent. Uh, it was an excellent landscape photo, um, I think, from sunrise the next morning, not sunset. But um, just really a nice, nice photo. She, as we're walking, she, you know, was shooting things that she saw. And I, I think just excellent. There was one particular photo that I really loved, which is of Maribel Aguilar through the glass. It, that one was an incredible photograph. Well, you know, and that's that's exactly right. We, you know, we when I was there two months ago, um, you know, there were eighteen guys there, and it was a it was a different picture. There was a you know there, there was a church service and all these guys, and but a lot of them didn't want their photo taken, so we're there with two two migrants, and so kind of journalistic speaking, kind of a lemon as far as what I expected to find at the shelter. And Jess made more than lemonade. She made a, you know, she made a nice cocktail. She's very good. And, you know, I was inside interviewing people while she was outside working with the migrant who was not really enthusiastic about being, you know, photographed. She agreed and everything. And she, but she was very cautious and very shy and uh, just made that happen. And, uh, you know, I just think it, it goes to her skill. She's good to work with. I'm used to working with photographers. I think working closely with photographers and you realize as a writer, sometimes writers don't really understand what a photographer needs. I've been doing it for decades, literally. And, uh, you really have to give, you know, you have to like let the photographer have their space and, and help them as much as you can because it's really important for the story extremely important for the stories. I've had over the years, photographers that lead me to the best parts of, of project stories we're working on because they see things that I might not see. And uh, so the collaboration is very important, increasingly important. It's not just a matter of like, oh yeah, did you shoot that or this? They're photojournalists, they're not photographers. Uh, as such, they're photojournalists and you have to give them their space and their their respect and, and, and help them as much as you can. And they, they do the same for you. That's great. Well, uh, Dudley, thank you so much for your time. And I appreciate you talking to me and, uh, and going over your reporting. I really appreciate it. Sure enough. Anytime. Thank you.